United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. The dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Ross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Ross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects exist. so loud. God damn it. You've had so much time to swallow the food in your mouth. I don't feel bad. I haven't. I said it's we're gonna granola do too. It's you like do? the loudest thing. I will say you were like, I wanted to go to bed early tonight. And I was like, I'll shut up and record. And then the second I hit record, you just opened your mouth like a duck and just consumed as much granola as you possibly could. <laughs> this shit's so good. Mm, love it. It's maple pecan. With real pecans and real maple. <laughs> I love it. My favorite I, snack. My favorite snack is... I don't think I have a favorite snack. Yes, you do. What's that weird thing that you eat? The hot M&M's? Mm, yeah. That's fucking gross. Anyway, hey, what's up? My name is Noelle, and I'm so sorry that you all had to hear me chew my whole grain granola. And I'm Chelsea. I just got back from Tombstone, and I didn't see a single mention about the pterodactyl. What do you mean? I was looking. I didn't see it. I went to the museum. I went to the oh, Rose Museum. Oh, there. I was like, people yeah. were talking about it, no. you idiot. But no, Not you're talking a about single, an actual Nothing tomb, in so. Tombstone. Also, hold on. My dogs are being ridiculous. I'm going to put myself on mute real quick and yell if you want to keep talking. Okay. So, I, we, I don't even know what to say, man. You're just yelling. Noelle's just, just Noelle's dogs. Like she's. I'm just gonna narrate what's happening. Noelle's telling her dogs to go lay down, and they're just jumping around with glee. <laughs> they are literally <laughs> like, no joke, dude. I know that we wanted to go to bed early and get this episode over, but my dogs basically fucking sit around and they sleep and they fart because. One of them is old-ish, and the other one is a fucking goblin who can't breathe. So all they do is just sit around, and they lay around, and they move from this lay spot to that lay spot. That's all they do all fucking day long, and it's great. But here I am on a fucking two-hour Zoom call with engineering and product and going over, like, this big revamp that's happening. And these motherfuckers are tap dancing on the goddamn hardwood. <laughs> They're yeah. literally running and jumping at each other, like chest bumping, <laughs> like they're fucking titans fighting, like straight up. And I'm seeing it in the background of my Zoom call and obviously hearing it, but I put my volume up so high. So I'm really only seeing it in the background and I'm trying not to like pay attention to it at all even mm -hmm. though they're literally slamming into each other and i just see all the little people's faces in the in the little boxes on the zoom call like looking and all laughing. focusing on your little square yeah <laughs> yeah all fucking looking and laughing and i'm still in the middle of like presenting so i'm like and i'm just like these stupid fuckers are ruining my <laughs> presentation like i know that all everyone is looking at is them fighting because like apollo is like on his back two legs and he's swinging his <laughs> like arms a deer. around <laughs> yeah. like how a deer and fights <laughs> cora is running lunging and jumping at his fucking throat in her little stupid vest it's probably a sight to see 
And I was like, this is so stupid. And then just now, we hit record. And what do these two motherfuckers do? They get all up in my fucking shit. Like, Apollo doesn't yeah. give a fuck about me. But the moment we record, he's right yeah. here sniffing my balls. And I'm Maybe like, Maybe he off, hears dude. my voice and he wants to say hi to me. He doesn't hear anything besides the sounds of him annoying me. He is cute. Anyway. I, he looks like he needs something. He looks like he has something to say. <laughs> He's just staring at me. He's sitting like a proper boy, staring yeah. at the back of my fucking He's head. like a little like, gargoyle. I can see him perfectly <laughs> over your shoulder. Like, you'll square up to the computer so you're facing me, and it's just his <laughs> eyes and ears over the back of your chair. He's such a piece of shit, man. I'm telling you. Oh, what a good boy. Oh, fuck. Anyway, speaking so, of pieces of shit. Nothing, no mention of the pterodactyl and tombstone. And I went to... Museum after museum after museum. I was surprised. I was a little sad. They have ghost tours, so you, you know that they're embracing the mm-hmm. other. I was bummed about it. I also asked the mind tour about the goblins. He's like, no goblins. I'm like, well, fuck you then. Yeah, it was a great no tour, shit, dude. Like, the actual, like, former silver well, miner isn't going to jump in the mine with you and be like, the goblins. Yeah, no I, fucking shit, dog. I approached him real cool, like... He was like, okay, so go ahead and take pictures, whatever. And then he, you know, you you let people situate because you move from room to room in the cave. So you let people kind of like duck in and walk. And I was like, hey, man, see what I'm doing with my elbow? It was like, Mm -hmm. hey. And then he kind of came over and I got in real close, close like this. And coughed COVID all over. Yeah. I was wearing a mask. I was wearing a mask. And I was like, hey, can I ask you something? OTR off the record and he was like yeah i was like you ever heard of like cave goblins in kentucky and he said no and i said well regardless (laughs) do you have any goblin stories from here and he said no again and then um I was immediately shut down emotionally because I don't often reach out in social situations to like engage people, and I was immediately. But the one time you were was to yeah. ask a professional about yeah. goblins. That was yeah. your time to immediately shine. rebuked. Oh, I didn't say this on Patreon, but uh, when I was talking about Tombstone, but it was really cool because caver or miners. I was going to say cavers, miners, in the at the time would work by candlelight, and they would only get two candles per shift and the shifts were 10 hours but the candles only lasted four hours so that math doesn't add up no well so what Mm -hmm. they would do is they'd put their little chisel in a hole and once they'd get a good spot they'd blow out their candle and then chisel in the dark and then which is terrifying so they had a black light that they shone on the walls and you could see where like they had their demo candle because they would light the candle and you could see how dark the cave was by candlelight only and then they like shone up the wall and you could see candle drippings from like the original miners of the 1800s it was scary that was actually scary you know it's up the, on the fucking wall man you know what the scariest part of it all is is that workers rights have always been a problem in this country yeah. and we need to unionize and protect and ensure that miners have enough candles to last at the minimum their entire shift. Yeah, and the mines were like miles out of town and they'd have to wake up, walk. Like one of the mines was five miles away. They'd have to wake up, walk five miles, work 10 hours, and then walk home. 
Mm -hmm. This is giving very much like your grandpa being like, back in my day, I only got two candles for a 10 hour. Yeah, well, you also bought a 10 bedroom house on five acres for a pack of gum and a slap on the ass. So fuck you. Walk. Yeah. So that I, that's how you my grandpa was a saint how dare you <laughs> uh, so yeah it was very wild again um amazing trip but what i ended up wanting to talk about was some of the bordello ghosts but i couldn't find enough information to really get into it and then i somehow stumbled upon uh wendigos so we're going to talk about those now natural transition yeah, it was a good one, right? I have one single hair in my eyeball. So, Wendigos. These flesh-eating monsters have been woven into our day-to-day mythos, transcending past the written history of the Algonquian Native American tribe. These monsters do vary in appearance and characteristics depending on which rabbit hole of history you fall into, but either way you slice it, the description of them is pretty wild. So in some traditions, they can appear as emaciated beings with antlers on their head and skin stretched thinly across protruding bones. In others, they're strange animals who grow larger and larger as they consume flesh. Their odor precedes their actual appearance, and oftentimes their calls in the wild are confused with those of the skinwalker. And on some accounts, they say that the louder the scream of the Wendigo, the closer or the further the scream of the Wendigo, the closer you are to demise. So if it sounds like it's really far away and you're running away from the scream, you're actually running closer to the Wendigo. You want the scream to be close. That means that you're far away. I'll save that in my pocket for when I never go anywhere that a Wendigo could be. Um, Ultimately, I would describe them as a very, very starved Krampus. That's how I've seen them as well. Yeah. And... Which is really interesting because they also have tons of associations with the cold. And part of their myth and characteristics is that they can not only walk on water, but they can also walk on snow without leaving any footprints. Like a scary Legolas. (laughs) Don't bring Legolas into this. (laughs) He's on my mind all the time. So despite some of the kind of rudimentary differences in appearances, all histories generally agree on the following. You'll smell a Wendigo long before you've seen one, and they are malevolent and cannibalistic. And according to legendsofamerica.com, Great our, <laughs> thank you, are stronger in northern winters and are closely tied to famine, coldness, and starvation. So they're like Dementors. Like a Legolas Dementor. Not going to comment on that? I thought that was good. I think you're trying, good. and I think it's very valiant. I'm trying to not drink alcohol in this episode, and I think that's what's fucking me up. So let me just open this beer real quick. I <laughs> Okay, great job. Um, you know what? I appreciated your Dementors reference, but I am just so over Harry Potter right now because of that transphobic cunt. Yeah, you got to separate the JK from the <sighs> HP. I can't, dude. Dude, I, I love Spider-Man, even though Stan Lee tried to claim he wrote it. Well, I can enjoy Spider-Man because Stanley is dead. So suck on that, Marvel fans, you fucking cucks. (laughs) (laughs) Stanley ripped off everything he ever wrote, except for maybe like two things. Yeah, the Fantastic Four, which sucks. Oh, show me a good Fantastic Four movie and I will give you a baby. Because you can't, so good luck. (laughs) 
didn't even have to worry about it. I'm more likely hmm. to find evidence of a pterodactyl and tombstone than I am for you to find evidence that Stan Lee wrote anything he ever claimed except Fantastic Four. A thousand percent. Um, so. Anyway. <laughs> the, the earliest known written account of a Wendigo was documented by a Jesuit missionary named Paul de Genoux. Great Genoux? job. I think autocorrect fucked up his last name, so that doesn't look familiar. We're just going to call it Paul. <laughs> Paul. In 1636. And as a missionary, Paul was required to update his superiors about the region he was assigned to, which is what we now call modern-day Quebec. And in one of the reports, he wrote, quote, The devilish woman added that the Wendigo had eaten some of the Adamagookin. These are the Great tribes job. that live north of the river and is called Three Rivers, and that he would eat a great many more of them if he were not called elsewhere. The Wendigo. It was really interesting because this did go on to say that he thought a werewolf had scared the Wendigo out of the region. Oh, you clipped the most interesting part of his uh, whole entire yeah. transaction. Well, it was like way down, so it would have been like eight pages of me reading the quote and I thought it would detract from the window. You Wendigo. could just skip down. Just skip I know, down. I fucked up. Well, I Ellipses let you know now. and then there. Yeah. I let you know now. Okay. They thought that the Wendigo got scared off by a werewolf and that's the only reason why it left. God, you just gotta so, love that 1636 uh, ideology, baby. I wish Keeps it was you on that, your toes. I wish it was that simple. Don't you? Still? Yeah. Are you kidding me? There's like a dude who strips copper wire in the back alley and has left used needles that my dogs have almost stepped on and a used condom that my dog did eat. I would very much love if a werewolf just scared him out. Uh, yeah. It would How solve so many problems. My life would be. I love dogs too. And that reminds me, I rewatched Jupiter Ascending and that part where she's like, I love dogs. I could see me being that cringy door werewolf. Is it like right before it tore my throat out? Oh my god, is that a German Shepherd? It's like <laughs> it's fucking Cujo mixed with like John Cena. I just like it's beautiful. <laughs> it's a rescue. <laughs> <laughs> Put him in a sweater. You know, take him for a pup cup while he's just like ripping my car to shreds. <laughs> I want to see that animated. I want to see a werewolf <laughs> in the back seat going into Starbucks to get a pup cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wish we had like the ability to like have any kind of funding to film that scene where we could get a car and just rip it to shreds. Dude, I know it. Well, it's, you know, perfect world dreams. The joys of being poor. <laughs> so, Paul wasn't the only missionary to write about such encounters, and there are many European missionaries who came after him and reported numerous evil sightings plaguing the New World frontier. And according to the Canadian Encyclopedia, I didn't know they got their own, but that makes sense, right? Yeah, they're their own country. Um, these days, well, I mean, uh, you know, well, uh, maybe, we don't know. They are. I won't bring in my personal gripes about Canada today. They but, are, but like, what is the queen doing on their currency? So like, you know, figure it out, Canada. Because they're weak. Yeah, who are you, really? Um, so, <laughs> and these encounters date all the way up to as recent as the 20th century. So I would like to add, before we get into more lore, is um, I know this is probably based in no other reality other than my own, but wouldn't it be, hear me out, kind of cool 
if Wendigos were just like M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, and that like natives dressed up as giant monsters to scare white Christian missionaries. That's smart, honestly. Wouldn't that be just a silly, goofy mood? Not just to scare the white missionaries, but also, like, population control, the problematic ones. So the ones who are like, oh, manifest destiny, so they leave their habit or whatever. Literally the entire plot of the village. It could be the village. Let's just reimagine the village as that. Yeah. The village is slept on. I think that he should get more credit for the village. Don't you even get me started about this because I have gone to extreme lengths to talk about this online because you're absolutely right, Chelsea. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Noel. It was all about timing that did this film so fucking dirty. There are two movies that I watch once a year, every single year, and have without a beat. Number one, Constantine. Number two, The Village. And I'll remember back to a time in 2010 where, and like 2015, where I was getting made fun of when I would be like, oh, I'm going to watch The Village tonight. And they'd be like, you're watching The Village? M. Night Shyamalan, that hack? And I'm like, no, you're the hack because this movie was fucking great. The casting was great. The story Mm -hmm. was great. The art direction was great. The cinematography was great. This was one film where to keep it PG-13, when they had a knife shot, they did, like, silent screaming, no blood to keep that rating down. And it was just as powerful. It's incredible. And the twist, the twist to this day, it's like original Friday the 13th and then The Village, as far as twists that I could have never seen coming. Same. But that's the problem, because everyone got on this movie being like, oh, it's another M. Night Shyamalan plot twist. Da, 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 da. Oh, like, he just follows the same formula. It's so unoriginal. Says who? Says fucking Cookie Monster pajama pants yeah. in front of a Walmart screaming he, online? Fuck you. If you want to call somebody out for using the same rubric, same formula for everything they produce, Dan Brown of The Da Vinci Code. You read one of his books, you've read all of his books. Give M. Night Shyamalan credit where credit is due. The Village is perfect. It's Sixth a perfect Sense. fucking movie. Dude, don't sleep amazing. on Sixth Sense. Amazing. And amazing. The Village, super good. And you know what? Some of his other movies, like Signs, I just went into a deep dive on Signs, how they were saying um, all of the aliens were actually like demonic possessions that were going on. And it made a really good case for it. And I was like, seeing Signs in a whole new light. The little girl... He always calls her like his angel, and the angel would come down and fucking get holy water all over the house. It wasn't the water that was killing him. It was the holy water that was getting him. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Some of it were misses. Lady in the Water, I didn't particularly enjoy. I don't even get it started on Last Airbender. That was terrible. But you know um, what? I also would say like old, the beach where everyone gets old, not a banger. But like I read the Wikipedia. Devil? You remember Devil? Yeah. Come on. Yes, that scared me. I know. That scared me. I think I've only seen it once still. I think that scared me so bad. And the village scared the living hell out of me. The village is so... Signs fundamentally changed me as a person. Um, You know, to this day, haunted by the imagery. The Sixth Sense was uh, one of the most delicious movies I've ever seen in my life. Mm Mm-hmm. And definitely, like, another twist that I was like, oh, 
But if you pay attention enough in the sixth sense, you can pick it up. The village, I would have never seen that come in a million miles never. away. That's no. why it's fucking beautiful and perfect. 100%. So stop shitting on M. Night Shyamalan's good movies. Give him credit that he's trying something new, damn it. Yeah. And what else do we want to hate people on for hating? Stop shitting on the prequels to Star Wars. You're a piece of shit. Darth Maul is the percent. best thing that ever happened to all of us. It's and Qui-Gon Jinn. How dare you? It's true. These are and true And pod racing. All right. I got to stop. Pod racing is so good. It's the only good thing that came out of the Star Wars video game. It is literally it. The pod racing feature that you can have is the only thing good about that fucking bullshit game. It pod racing brought to light something that I didn't know I needed. And then it created in me a love of other movies that led me to Nick cage specifically gone in 60 seconds, because I realized that I like racing movies and star Wars opened the door for that. I dude, dude, when I think about pod racing, I get so jazzed up, but it was a battlefront. If anyone's played battlefront, Mm -hmm. it's God awful. I got the Battlefront PS4, so it came with Star Wars Battlefront, and the only fucking good thing about it is the fucking pod racing. So anyway, that's it. That's all I have to say. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that, too. So anyway, back to Wendigos. Okay, yeah, Wendigos. <laughs> Where did we leave off? I gotta remind everybody. Oh, um, you were talking about M. Night Shyamalan would be a good reality. <laughs> and I was talking about how they've been mentioned on the New World Frontier before. So, other encounters... These encounters that the missionaries wrote about are corroborated between the native tribes and other white settlers in the area. The beer's making me need to burp, so I'm going to power through it. Jesus. Some of these white settlers would write about people in the area descending into fits of madness with no known cause. And the Cree tribe would even kill people as a precaution once they started to flip out because they called it Wendigo psychosis. They didn't call it Wendigo Psychosis. They had a different name for it. That's the white name for it. Mm-hmm. Forgive yeah. me. In yeah. these cases, the spiritual healers or shamans of the tribe would take note of someone suddenly behaving violently or antisocially, and they would ceremoniously try to cure them of their ailments. If the sy- symptoms persisted, though, they would be swiftly executed. And it was because time and time again, they would notice this descent would cause the Wendigo psychosis and it would be bad for the whole tribe. And the scary thing is, is that most traditions agree that any one of us can become a Wendigo. And this is scarier to me than becoming a zombie. It's on par with a zombie, but like vampires, you know, there's lots of vampires are cool. Yeah, there's lots of monsters that we can turn into. Wendigo, I think, is, like, the most disturbing one because as a vampire, you get, like, immortality and beauty. You just have to drink blood. Zombies, you're dead. You don't fucking know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Werewolves, you only have to deal with it on a full moon. A Wendigo is more of, I would say, like, a trapped-in-your-own-body horrific experience. And it's definitely one of the most interesting cryptids that we've covered to date. So according to the Algonquinian tribe... Wendigos are humans that have had a massive corruption of their spirit, most commonly through greed. In my opinion, though, on like what I read from other tribes, a Wendigo is made when a human is pushed to the very limits of their survival, where they break not physically, but spiritually. Um, mm-hmm. So in extreme conditions like hunger, cold, or even sorrow, a cannibalistic Wendigo can be born. 
And in these times, the person either corrupts so horrifically or their spirit is weakened enough or physically weakened enough that they just become easier to possess by an evil spirit. I wanted to propose another thought to you. Another thought experiment, if you will. So I feel like this kind of um, checks out a little scientifically if we want to take a a little fun route. Um, So this is either a fever dream or reality where we talked about the Kuru disease. We did. We did a whole episode on it. Okay. So I knew it. <laughs> that could occur from cannibalism. And for those who don't know, or. I'm glad uh, that you wrote that this was a fever dream. <laughs> I'm like, I remember this in detail, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> or you don't know what my dreams are like. This is either reality or one of those. So no, I, um, there's times where people will quote what we've said on podcasts. And I'm like, come again. <laughs> like, yeah, I wasn't I've, there, ma'am. I haven't heard of her. Yeah. Um, so Karu is uh, real, and we have talked about it on here already. It so is real. Great. It is real. It's, it's caused by eating human brain. And in this specific case that I'm talking about, this brain was even cooked and prepared with other body parts, herbs, and spices. And Karu means shivering or trembling. Um, people would have trouble walking, lose control of emotions. Many experienced what was called the laughing death. And within a year, they couldn't stand up, feed themselves, or have any control of bodily function. It wasn't a virus or a bacteria, fungus, or parasite. It was an entirely new infectious agent, one that had no genetic material, could survive being boiled, and wasn't even alive. It was a twisted and mutated protein called prion, and it would turn the brain of a person who ingested it into fucking goo. Um, This protein was created, developed, and mutated within the tribes of Papua New Guinea, so it's not a stretch to say that the same type of situation could have developed here. Maybe a new mutation where the protein didn't cause you to die, but turn you into whatever a Wendigo is. That's really interesting, too, because... With Kuru, you don't go crazy until you eat the brain. Mm-hmm. And Wendigo psychosis makes you want to eat people before you ever have. But with prions, they're so – we should do a whole episode on them because there's other prions out there that are scary. I wonder if this is like a related prion that makes you crave human flesh mm-hmm. before you've like ever even had it. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. just like a fucking cousin of Kuru. Yeah. It's literally just a mutation of prion, which is what yeah. created Kuru in the yeah. first place. And because Kuru is death ritual where you cook and eat brain. And that over time turned into obviously like that slow death of debilitation. But it wouldn't be like a stretch to say because it happened with multiple tribes from north to south in Papua New Guinea, it like spread across and continued to mutate that like the same type of reality wouldn't also be happening within like a tribal space. Um, And it just mutates into a like, you know, rather than eat the brain, go crazy, go crazy, make you want to eat the brain. And that's scary too, because Kuru is mad cow disease is like what we've called it when we see it in other animals, when we Mm -hmm. eat, infected brains of cows it's the cousin of it so it's not something where it's like oh we don't have to worry about this anymore because this affected native americans or this affected people in papua new guinea it's there was a mad cow like disease outbreak in england like the in what we would call first world civilized like civilized countries and there, there was, was a mad a cow, mad cow like, um, outbreak here in the yeah. united states in like the yeah. 2010s yes 
Yes. It's and that stuff will fuck you up. Like, oh, we should do an episode about prions because every time like you fall into a rabbit hole of like what's the scariest thing on earth, like I would say prions are the top of the list. People can say getting burned alive, um, being tortured, prions, because they literally will take over your body and they have no rhyme, reason, or function except to destroy. Yeah, literally. It's like anytime you see those crazy news stories pop up where it's like, you know, zombie uh, zombie mm. protein infects ant species and controls their dead bodies. Like yeah. anytime you've seen actual zombies in nature, it's been because of a prion mutation in the brain. And that's happened in people. And it makes very logical sense to me because if there's anything... Even, like, anthropologically, when you look at native lore and history and storytelling, everything that they're talking about has a link to something that has mm -hmm. happened, and you can always find it and trace it, like, all, like, even if they're talking about um, some type of, like, God making a statement, it relates back to, like, a natural disaster that caused, like, it's all... Yeah. It's always connected to something that is very much in reality. And the Wendigo, to me, almost sounds like a prion disease that turns a person, which is why they would describe them as, like, kind of losing their marbles yeah. a little bit. And then they fucking go out into the middle of the wilderness, you know, in the cold of winter, getting all fucked up from frostbite basically being an animated corpse, mm -hmm. you know, looking all crazy and shit because prions have been known to just control dead bodies and reanimate yeah. them. But like, this is just that, you know what I mean? That's crazy. Cause I hadn't even considered the prion thing. I was just going full on possessed by a Wendigo spirit. I didn't even think about the science of it. So how dare that's you? That's me, but also, baby. <laughs> but no, that's like a really good point too. And the the amount of stuff that we even do, like anthropologically, you can trace it all the way back. Like the I think I've mentioned it before, but like certain religions that don't allow you to eat pork, for example, or like hooved animals, because you couldn't keep hooved animals in the desert because the water flow needed to keep the mud going cost too many calories, and then they would get like rotted feet because you couldn't keep like the water cycle going through and then bacteria would ferment. So they just made it easier by banning hooved animals. As I yeah. do with the religion, it has everything to do with like the fact that it was physically impossible at that time yeah. for us to keep practicality. Yeah. So they became taboo. Similar thing with sex. Like if you have too many sexual partners, then you get STDs or you get different issues where you can't trace the lineage back, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you have a sexual – like things like that become taboo because men wanted to have power and they wanted to know that it was their sperm causing – like their sperm continuing their lineage. Mm -hmm. So women's virtue became a thing because mm -hmm. you can trace lineage through women easier than you could through a man. And that's yeah. why we have women's virtue. It's all this – like you can trace the stuff back like – yeah, it so that always comes back. Yeah, you have to you have to have a way to explain these things away. Mm -hmm. And if you explain prions as monsters, you're not wrong in any exactly. capacity. Exactly, and also the the way that a prion can manipulate the body would make a real monster. So there are depictions of these, like you know, skinny Krampus. Like yeah, yeah, that's that, like 
a reanimated person. And you're not going to be affected the way you would normally be in like cold or you're not, your hunger is going to be affecting you differently. Mm-hmm. It does make a lot of sense. You're welcome. Good take. Good take. So this has, it's interesting too, because this has been referenced scientifically in Western medicine, the Wendigo psychosis, but they don't stumble across prions, which is interesting. So you're really onto something. You are a woman before your time, Noel. Always am, baby. So missionary J.E. Sandin was the first to use the term in the 1920s, specifically Wendigo psychosis, while working in a Cree community in the Western James Bay area. There he met a woman who claimed that she saw strangers who wanted to kill and devour her. And Sandin referred to the woman's mental condition as a psychoneurosis or a mental or behavioral disorder characterized by depression and anxiety. Over time, the condition became known as Wendigo psychosis. Peace and love. As two people who are depressed and anxious, I've never wanted to kill and devour someone. So, like, maybe she should, like, you know, go back to the drawing board on that. It's scary for me. <laughs> Let me just say, I don't, I will not ever kill and eat someone. Sure. I feel like that's a hill I could die on. I would, sure. re- I would die on a hill before I ate you. Thank you. Well, I would go on that hill that you died on. I would dig you up and I would eat you. Okay. Well, yeah, that's fine. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. <laughs> I will say what's scary is there have been parts of my OCD compulsions because OCD is like ruminating on thoughts. Are you about where, to say you want to eat people? No, where I have thought that like my loved ones might want to hurt me and eat me, which is like a crazy thing because I'm like, they won't <laughs> hurt me if I put my deodorant on. 10 times plus five times plus two times. God, mental weird. illness is truly yeah. an incredible thing. Which is weird. Maybe I have a prion. Maybe I have the opposite of prion. Maybe I detect prions in other people. And then the way I put on my deodorant protects me from them. I'm going to tell you this right now. The deodorant has nothing to do with it. It's not hurting. It definitely <laughs> keeps people away because I they see like me it's... frantically counting. And if I fuck it up, I have to start over. I feel like it's hurting the skin <laughs> of your armpit. I just, can we just give Oliver a shout out? Because he does witness some of these things and he will politely wait for me to be done. God bless him, man. If a Wendigo comes for it, Oliver, I'll slit its fucking throat. I'm telling you right also, now. Also... This is a comment to your OCD in particular. <laughs> How bold and conceited it is to think that anyone wants to fucking eat you when you microwave M&Ms and drink Who wouldn't eat that? all day. Who wouldn't want to eat that? <laughs> Look at that booty. That's how you know mental illness for real, babe. <laughs> the, li- the psychosis that we could lie to ourselves. Yeah. So, the psychosis thoughts we convince ourselves of. <laughs> yeah. Um. Other anthropological explanations, <laughs> other than mine as an anthropologist, of course, <laughs> think that part of the origin of the Wendigo is Native Americans <laughs> seeing <laughs> Europeans not... I can't stop thinking about you putting up the... <laughs> um... God! It's not funny! I'm sick mentally, down to my core. <laughs> Yeah, bitch, we know. <laughs> I would be, I would love to see you put on deodorant like <laughs> I told you a secret. How many sticks of deodorant do you go through in a month? Like seven? Yeah. <laughs> a lot. 
You know what? Oh my god. I'm crying. I'm crying. Okay. Dry as Ben Shapiro's wife's arid vagina 24 7. Oh I tell you. You're, you're, oh my god. Your little lymph nodes are probably gasping for air. There. Yeah, I'm probably quite unhealthy, Noel. Isn't it hilarious? <laughs> my Hi, god. Yeah. We said we wanted to get through this episode so we could go to bed. Uh, I just like, wanted to just laugh at <laughs> I love that my mental illness is like, maybe you should kill yourself. And yours is just like, never sweat ever. In your life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, my mental illness definitely tells me to kill myself too, but, <laughs> but I don't have too- the time. <laughs> I don't have the time. <laughs> You're too busy completing these tests. Yeah. That's so oh my God. I'm jokes on myself. you. It's working. <laughs> Okay, my God. <laughs> okay, go. Okay, go. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> You're not done. Mute yourself. <laughs> You're awful. So, modern anthropology. <laughs> I wish I could mute you. I genuinely I'm going to mute myself. I'm going to drink water. I'm just going to look at your cackling go. face. Okay, so, <laughs> she's just laughing on mute, <laughs> doubled over. Oh, my God. This is bullying. I know it is. So she's crying. I got to get a screenshot of this because this is bullying for real. Um, I can't even look at you. I'm going to have to move the show notes over your fucking mean face. So modern anthropologists think that part of the Wendigo origin. Stop moving where I can see you, Noelle. It's mean. So part. Oh, my God. I'm going to get through this sentence. It's the last, last thing I do. Modern anthropologists think that part I'm of the, the same window- spot, you bitch. <laughs> I tried to move the picture. I okay, so I moved the notes over your face on the Zoom, and right when I did it, you leaned forward in such a way that the part where you weren't sitting, you were immediately occupying. Oh my god! Okay, it's fine. I drank some water. I got it out. Okay, let's do it. Windigos. <clears throat> oh my god! If I don't get through this sentence, I will kill myself. <laughs> Modern anthropologists think that part of the origin of the Wendigo is that Native Americans witnessed European settlers coming here with no knowledge of how to survive our winters and resorted to cannibalism to survive. Yeah, like the Donner Party. Well, yeah. peace and love, that's not a bad representation of yeah. their story. Yeah, and they were like those fucking is. idiots. Yeah, they're like, yeah. They're, those are, they're idiots, which is fair and valid. I could mm-hmm. see them explaining that away as part of the Wendigo um, mythos but we also have to consider that the origin of the wendigo goes back like transcending written history all the way into the oral history so i think this is one's kind of sweeping it under the rug i'm just mentioning it because i take our credibility seriously (laughs) so um now let's consider this part actually was fascinating to me that Wendigo psychosis is not something that is seen the world over, and it's not even something seen, like, all throughout the United States. Specifically, it is pretty um, honed in on the Great Lakes region of the United States and Canada. It doesn't really appear anywhere else outside of those areas. Yeah, man. Prions in a specific geological region. Well, it's also, like, seasonal depression meets the flu, where... That's what you're going to call cannibalism? Yeah. Wendigo psychosis, you know what I mean? It's like seasonal depression meets the flu. Yeah. Um, According again to Legends of America, quote, the initial symptoms are poor appetite, nausea, and vomiting. 
Subsequently, the individual develops an al- a delusion of being transformed into a Wendigo monster. People who have Wendigo psychosis increasingly see others around them as edible. And at the same time, they have an exaggerated fear of becoming cannibals. Dude. And it only happens is, in that small area. This is literally just like the opposite, but same, of Kuru. Wow, incredible. We should call someone. Let them know we've got a break let's, on the case. Just, let's, yeah. I don't know who to call. Let's call I don't the guy know who researched the Fresno Nightcrawlers. He's yeah. a good audience. Call him. So, and perhaps the most interesting things about Wendigos and sy- the psychosis associated with their transformation is how well it is documented in history. Um, another quote from a Jesuit priest at a different time than Paul in 1661, historians found, quote, that what caused us greater concern was the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake. Those poor men, according to the report given us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They are afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease, which affects their imaginations and causes them a more than canine hunger. It makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men like veritable werewolves and devour them voraciously without being able to appease their glut or their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey and more greedily the more they eat. This ailment attacked our deputies and as death is the sole remedy among those simple people for checking such acts of murder, they are slain in order to stay the course of their madness. I know what you're thinking, Noel. I even typed it into the notes. Now I know what you're thinking, Noel. With all these accounts from priests, we may as well file all these reports into the fake hysteria category. I was going to say, because all these reports are coming from priests, maybe we should think it's the M. Night Shyamalan, the village version, where they're just being attacked by natives because no one likes them. Yeah, which could be fair if we didn't have another account. That happened a little bit more recently. I would say like the eight, late 1800s is kind of recent. Oh, yeah. Recent. Just yesterday. Great grandparents. Yeah. 1839. You know, just last week. So if this episode was only about the writings of desperate priests trying to survive Canadian winters and trying to flesh out or like get rid of natives in the area, I would agree with you that it's kind of sus that these accounts only come from priests. They're not all from priests. And I want to dive into one particular one which was the case of a Plains Cree trapper named Swift Runner. His Cree name, I'm going to pronounce it once and do my best so that his name isn't whitewashed on this episode, but we are going to call him Swift Runner for the rest of it. It was um, Kakisan Kuchin. Which means that sounds runner. good. I think so. I tried. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, doing my best here. Public school. So he was born in what we now call Alberta in 1839. And he was a relatively popular father of six who stood an impressive six feet tall. And I only said impressive six feet tall because in Tombstone, everybody was like the size of an infant. I, yeah, I think like back in the day, everyone was short as fuck. Five, like five nothing. It was insane. Yeah. I stood next to a, a dress of like a teacher at the time and it came up to my boob. I yeah, at least you know. I could have killed her. Yeah, we could have killed everyone, dude. Uh, yeah, I would have. They would have shot me with one of their little pellet guns at the OK Corral, and I would have, like brushed it off like a mistake. Caught it with your fucking teeth. Yeah, I would have caught it with my oversized uterus right now. <laughs> Chewing it, so, spit it back. <laughs> and then I would have 
No, I would have deflected it with all the deodorant. <laughs> you just open your armpits like, and it's ching, ching, ching. Like Teflon like over woman. here, dude. <laughs> so I'm Teflon Donna, baby. <laughs> um, so Swift Runner, his life was pretty ordinary at the time. He was educated in Cree traditions and then simultaneously like accepted into the more European and white culture too. So he served as a guide for the mounted police and Although he was always described as fairly meek and kind of milk toast, his exceptional treatment of the traders in the Hudson Bay area and his devotion to his family gave him a very dignified and well-known reputation. So he's just like a quiet, good guy. And we all know that that's going to change. Yeah. Um, so in the winter of 1878 and 1879, the Canadian frontier like experienced like a very, very brutal winter. Um, I would imagine that like, pre really bad co- like global warming that they were awful um it was probably mm-hmm. like two snowflakes now unfortunately <laughs> but the time was hard on everyone specifically the cree people and despite their close relation with white settlers at the time native americans were not set up for success any way you slice it yeah no shit. so yeah so it was but it was still better for the cree tribe to stay um where they were rather than kind of venture off and try to just not work with the white man at the time, even though they were hogging resources. But slowly, though, Swift had begun to grow violent towards his other tribesmen and became and started to get like a very dangerous reputation. So once the winter conditions kind of made everybody huddle in, the elders of the tribe decided that Swift had to have an ultimatum. They told him just essentially, you got to chill out or get out. Mm-hmm. And considering normally these types of behaviors, he would be killed and he couldn't chill out. He decided to leave with his family and Swift took them all into an area which held what he thought was a higher chance of survival, despite its distance from the general population. And remember he was fully educated in Cree tradition. So he did know how to hunt and take care of himself. He wasn't yeah. as at the mercy of the Canadian winters of like the white European settlers mm-hmm. were at the time. And there weren't really any suspicions that came about until this supposedly devoted family man returned from his winter camp in 1879, Sans' family. He didn't look starved, but he seemed disassociative. And since he was well-known in the area, general inquiries about his wife and children soon gave way to rumors that something seriously wrong occurred. And the local priest specifically suspected something was wrong, especially since the winter had been very fruitful with game meaning that it didn't make sense for anyone to go through any hardships where they should have lost any member of their family. Mm-hmm. Specifically, somebody who was like a tree, like a Cree hunter and trapper. Yeah. Like he grew up there. He, it yeah. was no big deal to right. him. Yeah. It was no big deal. And he was way capable. He was like a capable frontierman. Like this shit was like super easy. I'm assuming to them, they could just do it. Like the mountain mm-hmm. men's at the time. He was like a Jeremiah Johnson. So soon after his return, Swift attempted to lead a group of children out of town towards the woods and that was where the priests had the last straw. They decided a priest they, saying know, that a I grown man can't have the little children. I almost wrote in like pause for priest jokes. <laughs> I think Jesuit priests are different than Catholic priests, but don't quote me on that. Um, I think they're all the same, but probably. And this was so, the first and last time a priest yeah, ever. Spoke. Yeah, and honestly, it was probably out of jealousy and malice because yeah, he wanted so the, them for himself. Yeah, so the priests were jealous, so they called the cops. <laughs> And when they reached out to law enforcement, an inspector named Sevier mm-hmm. Gagnon, we're just going to call him good. Sevier. 
Um, <laughs> it does look like severe. It had like way more accents. I cared less and about accent de goût. Yeah, and I care less about like maintaining the, the French integrity of French names, so we're just gonna call them severe. And I don't and know French anything. Canadian to be exact. So like, yeah. what do you mean? Oh, worst guy. Not even French. Yeah. So this guy. Um, so they reached out to this inspector to look into Swift's behavior, and they really wanted to get into the root of what was going on with him and find out where his family was. So eventually, Swift did kind of begrudgingly admit that one of his sons didn't survive the winter and he offered to show the police where he was buried. And they're so, like, sweet, that explains one out of seven yeah, people that like, we can't account for. They're like, we'll take it. You know, doing it as a favor for the priest, blah, blah, blah. So along with Inspector Severe and the Mounted Police, Swift, le- Swift left led a small posse to his winter camp and a child-sized grave. So while the cops did uncover the grave and confirm that the boy's body was buried there and it had not been disturbed until they uncovered it. They're actually more concerned with the mass amount of other human remains that were scattered around the camp. Mm, Yeah, that'll do it. So it didn't take much prodding from the police to get Swift to talk after they pointed out the disturbing decor and uh, that he had left on the camp's landscape. Mm -hmm. So eventually he did break down and told them the full story. Swift told them how it began for him with a hue of, like, horrific dreams. Just slew upon slew, just bad nightmares every night. Uh, It's giving uh, Luke Skywalker dreamy about Kylo Ren killing him. Imagine that plus, like, the cell with J-Lo. Oh, another slept on five-star with the fucking man, Vince Uh Vaughn, serving, absolutely serving. Damn, that's, oh, a good that's a good movie. movie. So similar to the cinematic perfection that we call the cell, mm-hmm. in his mind, a mysterious monster would come to him and creep through the darkest parts of his mind and slowly take root. And as time passed, it bled more and more into his psyche until Swift realized, even when he was awake, that he was being plagued with the spirit of a Wendigo. And he did fight these thoughts for most of the winter, but he did lose the mental fight against the Wendigo and ate his wife in a murderous frenzy. Oof. We hate to see it. It happens. And so drunk on the flesh of human meat, um, Swift ordered one of his sons to butcher his younger brother. And as Swift watches go down, I do want to give like a heads up that this next part is rough. Normally what we talk about is rough, but this is like capital rough. Um, he said that the spirit of the Wendigo picked up his baby by the neck with a lodgepole, which is just like a long skewer. And while the baby was held up by its chin alone, Swift reached up with both his hands, grabbed the feet of the baby, and pulled down, thus impaling Oof. the sun on the skewer. You're giving very much Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust, like Vlad the Impaler... Mm-hmm. It's a this part. It was uncomfortable. Normally, stuff isn't like that, but it was just so detailed. I tried to dumb down the details a little bit, but still like convey the horrificness. Um, while Swift did not go into details about the rest of his children's deaths, he was like, "That one yeah. looks like you guys had enough." So yeah, I'm gonna like, go ahead pocket the rest. Yeah, he's like, "Just put two and two together." He did verbatim say that um, what happened with his mother-in-law and his brother had been a bit tough, but he didn't specify if he meant the endeavor of killing them was tough or if their meat was tough. 
Oh, it's for the reader to figure out, you yeah. know? Context. It's a choose-your-own-adventure yeah. part of the story. And he said it nonchalantly. Like, he was talking about the fucking cell, which is, like I said, cinematic perfection. Like, he just mm-hmm. talked about it. And the police were rightfully horrified. Um, not only did they need to bring this self-professed Wendigo, who they were all fucking scared of, to Fort Saskatchewan, but they also needed to collect all the evidence of his masticated family. And it wasn't until they began to handle the remnants of the bones that they realized that they were all hollow and chewed on because he would literally pick up the bones, gnaw on them, and then suck out the marrow. Oh my god, he's like liver king. Yeah. So his trial began on August 8th, 1879. And although the Cree did have evidence and lore of the Wendigo that was like available for people to research at the time, obviously his defense of being a Wendigo did nothing to persuade the judge or jury to rule in his favor. Good. He was sentenced <clears throat> to death very, very quickly. It was death by hanging. And fun fact, he was the first legal hanging in Canadian history. Yeah, legal, keyword. Yeah, keyword. Um, and from an article at the time, just before the trap fell, Swift's last words were, I am no longer a man. They That's let- a fun one. Yeah, isn't that neat? Fun last word. And it has like a double entendre too. Like, what is a man without his family? Or am I fully taken over by the Wendigo at this point? So... They let his body hang for an hour in the snow before somebody was finally brave enough to cut it down and quickly bury it. And one of the police officers present recounted how the man who left for the woods in 1878 was not the same man that he watched hang a year later. Like, he acknowledged that a physical transformation had 100% taken Swift Runner over. And... Perhaps the most alarming thing to note is that there is no lore on how you can kill a Wendigo once they are full Wendigo. Um, So the Cree elders who like saw Swift going down this path and dismissed him into the woods basically just signed the death warrants of Swift's family. There is a reason why other tribes had a cure or be killed policy and that's because once the psychosis kicks in like no bullet and no spell will protect you it was only swift's kind of hybrid transition that he was in that allowed the police to catch him after he had already eaten his fill that is interesting the lore about like how to kill a wendigo doesn't Mm -hmm. exist that's such a good point it's scary you have to kill them before they fully transition but then it's like are you killing a Wendigo or are you just killing somebody who's sick or are you killing somebody who's starving or Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Are you killing somebody with like some other mental illness that has nothing to do with Wendigo? It's like very pearls before swine. I don't know what that means, but I think that's the right. That sounded nice. I'm just going to believe you. Thank you. Wow. There's a picture of him. Um, Yeah. He looks like a regular guy. Yeah. He just looks like a guy. He just looks like a guy. Scary, right? Very scary. I like it. Yeah, me too. So I like the prion take. Yeah, I feel like it makes the most sense scientifically. I agree. I like the idea that the being put in like desperate situations can also trigger like a Wendigo spirit to possess you. Because if you're starving to death and you have to eat somebody to survive... Some mm-hmm. may call that the Donna Reed party. Other <clears throat> people may call it Wendigo psychosis. Like it's yeah. very interesting. Um, 
I didn't realize how prevalent it was in medicine, though. I didn't know that Wendigo psychosis was something that modern psychology has referred to, even in, like, the 1940s, which I know is, like, kind of a long time ago. But at the same time, it's early enough to be relevant. Oh, especially when you look at it in the the timeline of things, like the 1630s to the 1940s, Wendigo psychosis or the takeover of the Wendigo possession of the Wendigo being a thing. Like that's a long time. Yeah. You're just giving a name to something that is very valid. Mm -hmm. That does exist. I will not argue that Wendigos exist. I think they 100% exist. What you choose to define as a Wendigo is up to you. The thing I thought was most fascinating was the louder the scream, the further you are. I loved that. That was so scary. Because if it's fate, it means it's right next to you. Yeah. True skill of the hunter. Trick ya. Mm-hmm. Trick ya. Well, fun. Now we know. Yep. And also now we know to watch The Village and The Cell. The Village, The Cell, Constantine, the Star Wars prequels. Absolutely. I mean, if you buried me with all of those, it would be my own little King Tut's tomb. And just to round it off to like a nice five, uh, you can substitute in either Signs or the Six Sense. I would agree with that as well. Just we'll let you have we'll let you have your choice on that. I'm gonna like go watch the cell. Man, I'm just thinking about it. Just visually beautiful. It's anyway, J Lo for sure. You know, that's the thing, is just like how everyone gave the village shit because it was like, oh, another M. Night Shyamalan twist formula. No one gave the cell any chance because it was fucking J-Lo and Vince Vaughn. Like, no one cared. Yeah, no one cared. Show me a J-Lo movie other than Geely. Mm-hmm. But like fucking Made in Manhattan, great classic. What's the other one? The Wedding Planner. Wedding I was gonna Planner. say the Wedding Planner. Masterpiece. People hate too much. Do you notice that they hate too much? I hate them for hating. Let people. Yeah. Enjoy also, um, Hustlers that came out was was new and good. Uh, that was someone with like the strippers who scam. Men. I haven't but seen the it. one we're not talking about, which is the best one, enough, baby. Aww. Enough. Jennifer in enough. I call her Jennifer. Yeah, Let you guys me are know close. That murdering bastards is pure feminism. Also, like, so the cell came out in two thousand. Enough came out in two thousand and two, um, and and. Enough was, like, one of the first representations of, like, a dude who love bombs you so that he could then just get away with abusing you. Yeah. Ah, so what a good fucking movie, man. And the prevalence of, like, even if you leave or even if you do everything right, like, you can still fall victim to it. Mm Mm-hmm. God, it's so fucking good. Oh, you know what? I'm going to put that in there. I'm going to say take off signs. Take off the, the optional signs or six cents and put, put enough. Yeah. 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 So that's everyone's homework. Let us know how you feel. Also, um, speaking of homework, you can follow us on Instagram. I'm at Noelle Fane. 
That is at Sithlard, and this is Go to Hell Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. In all of our social media bios, you'll find a link tree that'll take you to our Patreon, where you get a new episode every week. A dollar gets you in, but remember that you do sign an NDA, so you cannot repeat anything that you see there. Please don't. <laughs> Please do not. Um, in that link tree, you will also see links to our merch site links to our discord server which is always on and pop in our facebook group and of course the magnificent kelly holloran or wildwood owl on etsy's page that has our sticker packs and enamel pin so check all that out yeah thank you so much to people who reached out to me about tombstone and thank you for our patreon people and thank you for people who keep sending in their synchronicities i i very much love it talk to us hang out yeah all right well i guess that's it I guess hail satan hail satan uh 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 hail i don't have one hail the beer that got me through the episode um there you go hail also your armpits <laughs> <laughs>